Chapter Seven B of The Shake. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. The Shake by E. M. Hull. Chapter Seven B. He watched her right away, with Gaston a few paces behind and followed by the escort of six men that the Shake had lately insisted upon. The continual presence of these six men riding at her heels irked her considerably. The wild, free gallops that she had loved became quite different with the thought of the armed guard behind her. They seemed to hamper her and put a period to her enjoyment. The loneliness of her rides had been to her half their charm. She had grown accustomed to and oblivious of Gaston, but she was acutely conscious of the six pairs of eyes watching her every movement. She did not see the necessity for them. She had never been aware of anything, any time, when she was riding that seemed to justify the sheikh's order. The oasis was not a caravan route, and if she ever saw Arabs at any distance from the camp, they always proved to be Ahmed ben Hassan's own men. She had thought of remonstrating with him, but her courage had failed her. His mood, since the coming of Saint-Hubert, had been of the coldest, almost repellent. The weeks of happiness that had gone before had developed the intimacy between them almost into a feeling of camaraderie. He had been more humane, more western, more considerate than he had ever been, and the fear that she had of him had lain quiescent. She could have asked him then, but since the morning of Raoul's arrival, when the unexpected fervor of his embrace had given new birth to the hope that had almost died within her. He had changed completely into a cold reserve that chilled her. His caresses had been careless and infrequent, and his indifference so great that she had wondered miserably if the flame of his passion for her was burning out, and if this was the end. And yet, throughout his indifference, she had been conscious, like Saint-Hubert, of the surveillance of constant jealous eyes that watched them both with a fierce scrutiny that was felt rather than actually seen. But the spark of hope that the knowledge of this jealousy still fanned was not great enough to overcome the barrier that his new mood had raised between them. She dared ask no favor of him now. Her heart tightened at the thought of his indifference. It hurt so. This morning he had left her without a word when he had gone out into the early dawn, and she was hungry for the kisses he withheld. She was used to his taciturn fits, but her starved heart ached perpetually for tangible recognition. Love, the capacity for which she had so long denied, had become a force that, predominating everything, held her irresistibly. The accumulated affection that, for want of an outlet, had been stemmed within her, had burst all restraint, and the love that she gave to the man to whom she had surrendered her proud heart was immeasurable, a love of infinite tenderness and complete unselfishness, a love that had made her strangely humble. She had yielded up everything to him. He dominated her wholly. Her imperious will had bent before his greater determination, and his mastery over her had provoked a love that craved her for recompense. She only lived for him and for the hope of his love engulfed in the passion that enthralled her. Her surrender had been no common one. 
the feminine weakness that she had despised and fought against had triumphed over her unexpectedly without humiliating thoroughness sex had supervened to overthrow all her preconceived notions the womanly instincts that under aubrey's training had been suppressed and undeveloped had in contact with the sheik's vivid masculinity and compelling personality risen to the surface with startling completeness Today she was almost desperate his callousness of the morning had wounded her deeply and a wave of rebellion welled up in her she would not be thrown aside without making any effort to fight for his love she would use every art that her beauty and her woman's instinct gave her her cheek burned as she thought of the role she was setting herself she would be no better than those others whose remembrance still made her shiver but she crushed down the repugnant feeling resolutely flinging up her head with the old haughty gesture and drawing herself straighter in the saddle with compressed lips she had endured so much already that she could even bear this further outrage to her feelings at no matter what cost she must make him care for her though she loathed the means she would make him love her but even as she planned the doubt of her ability to succeed crept into her mind, torturing her with insidious recollections. Ahmed ben Hassan was no ordinary man to succumb to the fascinations of a woman. She had experienced his obstinacy, and knew the inflexibility of his nature. His determination was a rock against which she had been broken too many times not to know its strength. For a moment she despaired. Then courage came to her again, thrusting away the doubts that crowded in upon her, and leaving the hope that still lingered in her heart. A faint, tremulous smile curved her lips, and she looked up, forcing her thoughts back to the present with an effort. At the beginning of the ride they had passed several vedettes, sitting motionless on their impatient horses. The men had swung their rifles high in the air in salute as she passed, and once or twice Gaston had shouted a question as he galloped after her. But for the last hour they had seen no one. The desert was undulating here, rising and falling in short, sharp declivities that made a wide outlook impossible. Gaston spurred to Diana's side. "'Will Madame please to turn?' he said respectfully. "'It is late.' and it is not safe riding amongst these slopes. One cannot see what is coming, and I am afraid. Afraid, Gaston? she rallied, laughingly. For you, madame, he answered gravely. She reined in the dancer as she spoke, but it was too late. Even as she turned her horse's head, innumerable Arabs seemed to spring up on all sides of them. Before she realized what was happening, her escort flashed past, and wheeled in behind her, shooting steadily at the horde of men who poured in upon them, and, with a groan, Gaston seized her bridle and urged the horses back in the direction from which they had come. The noise was deafening, the raucous shouting of the Arabs, and the continuous sharp crack of the rifles. Bullets began to whiz past her. Gaston tucked his reins under his knee, and with one hand grasping the dancer's bridle and his revolver in the other, rode looking back over his shoulder. Diana, too, glanced behind her, and mechanically her fingers closed over the shining little weapon that the sheikh had given her the previous week. She saw with a sudden sickening 
the six men who had formed her escort beaten back by the superior numbers that enclosed them on every side already two were down and the rest were on foot and as she watched they were swallowed up in the mass of men that poured over them and at the same time a party of about twenty horsemen detached themselves from the main body and galloped towards her and gaston she seized his arm can't we do something can't we help them we can't leave them like that she gasped wrenching the revolver from the holster at her waist no no madame it is impossible it is a hundred to six you must think of yourself go on madame for god's sake ride on we may have a chance. He loosed her bridle and dropped behind her, interposing himself between her and the pursuing Arabs. A fierce yelling and a hail of bullets that went wide made Diana turn her head as she crouched low in the saddle. She realized the meaning of Gaston's tactics and checked her horse deliberately. I won't go first. You must ride with me, she cried, wincing as a bullet went close by her. Mon Dieu, what are you stopping for? Do you think I can face Monseigneur if anything happens to you, madame? replied Gaston fiercely. Do as I tell you. Go on. Deference was gone in the fear that roughened his voice. He looked back, and his face grew gray. For himself he had no fear, but for the girl beside him he dared not even think. They were Ibrahim, Omer's men, who had trapped them and he cursed his folly in allowing Diana to come so far. Yet it had seemed safe enough. The scout's reports had lately proved that the robber sheikh had up to now respected the boundary line between the two territories. This must be a sudden tentative raid, which had met with unlooked-for success. The bait would be too tempting to allow of any slackening on the part of the raiders, the white woman, who was Ahmed bin Hassan's latest toy, and his servant, whom he was known to value so highly, would be a prize that would not be lightly let go. For himself it would be probably torture, certainly death, and for her. He set his teeth as he looked at her, and the perspiration poured down his face. He would kill her himself before it came to that. And as he looked, she turned her head and met his agonized eyes for a moment, smiling bravely. He had refrained up till now from shooting, trying to reserve his ammunition for a last resource, but he saw that he must delay no longer. He fired slowly and steadily, picking his men with careful precision. It was a forlorn hope, but by checking the leaders, even for a few moments, he might gain time. The accuracy of his aim, that every time proved effectual, might keep back the onrush until they got clear of the undulating country, until they got out into the open where the sounds of the firing might reach some of the outpost sentinels, until they got too near to the sheikh's camp for pursuit to be possible. The bullets pattered continuously round them, but the men who fired them were not Ahmed ben Hassan's carefully trained marksmen, but still Gaston knew that their position was almost hopeless. Any moment a bullet might reach one of them. Their pursuers, too, seemed to guess his thoughts and opened out into an irregular extended line, swerving and maneuvering continually, making accurate shooting impossible, while they urged their horses to a terrific pace, trying to outflank them. Diana was shooting now. 
the thought of her escort's annihilation and her own and gaston's peril had overcome the reluctance she had had at first and she had even a moment to wonder at her coolness she did not feel afraid the death of ahmed's men had made her angry a fierce revengeful anger that made her see red and filled her with a desire to retaliate in kind she fired rapidly emptying her revolver and she had just reloaded with steady fingers when the dancer stumbled recovering himself for a few steps and then lurched slowly over onto his side blood pouring from his mouth diana sprang clear and in a moment gaston was beside her thrusting her behind him shielding her with his own body and firing steadily at the oncoming arabs the same feeling of unreality that she had experienced once before the first day in the sheik's camp came over her the intense stillness for the arabs had ceased shouting the hot dry sand with a shimmering heat haze rising like mist from its whispering surface the cloudless deep blue sky overhead the band of menacing horsemen circling nearer and nearer the dead dancer with gaston's horse standing quietly beside his prostrate companion and lastly the man beside her brave and devoted to the end all seemed fantastic and unreal she viewed it dispassionately as if she were a spectator rather than a participant in the scene but for a moment only then the reality of the situation came clearly to her again any minute might mean death for one or other or both of them and with an instinctive movement she pressed closer to gaston they were both silent there seemed nothing to say the valet's left hand clenched over hers at the involuntary appeal for companionship that she made and she felt it contract as a bullet gashed his forehead blinding him for a moment with the blood that dripped into his eyes he let go her hand to brush his arm across his face and as he did so the arabs with suddenly renewed shouting bore down upon them gaston turned sharply and diana read his purpose in the horror in his eyes she held up her head with a little nod and the same brave smile on her white lips please she whispered quickly a spasm crossed his face turn your head he muttered desperately i cannot do it if you there was a rattle of shots and with a gasp he crumpled up against her for a moment it was pandemonium standing over gaston's body she fired her last shot and flung the empty revolver in the face of a man who sprang forward to seize her she turned with a desperate hope of reaching gaston's horse but she was hemmed in and for a second she stood at bay hands clenched and teeth set braving the wild faces that surrounded her and were closing in upon her with flashing defiant eyes then she was conscious of a crashing blow on her head the ground heaved up under her feet everything went black before her eyes and without a sound she fell senseless late in the afternoon saint hubert was still riding in the big tent henri had deciphered the notes that had baffled his master in the morning and the vicomte had taken advantage of the solitude to do some long neglected work he had forgotten the time forgotten to be surprised at diana's continued absence immersed in the interesting subject he was dealing with and not realizing the significance of her delayed return ahmed had spoken of the proximity of his hereditary enemy but saint hubert had not grasped how near the robber sheik had ventured 
He was too engrossed to notice the usual noise in the camp that heralded the sheikh's arrival, and he looked up with a start when Ahmed ben Hassan swept in. The sheikh's dark eyes glanced somberly around the tent, and without a word he went through into the inner room. In a moment he came back. Where is Diane? Saint Hubert got up, puzzled at his tone. He looked at his watch. She went for a ride this morning. Dear, I had no idea it was so late. This morning? And not back yet? repeated the sheik slowly. What time this morning? Uh, about ten, I think, replied Saint Hubert uneasily. I'm not sure. I didn't look. There was an accident, and she delayed to watch me tie up one of your foolish children who had been playing with a worthless gun. The sheikh moved over to the doorway. She had an escort? he asked curtly. Yes. Ahmed ben Hassan's face hardened, and the heavy scowl contracted his black brows. Had she all these weeks been tricking him, feigning a content she did not feel, lulling his suspicions to enable her to seize another opportunity to attempt to get away? For a moment his face grew dark, then he put the thought from him. He trusted her. Only a week before she had given him her word, and he knew she would not lie to him. And besides, the thing was impossible. Gaston would never be caught napping a second time, and there were also the six men who formed her guard. She would never be able to escape the vigilance of seven men. But it was the trust he had in her that weighed most with him. He had never trusted a woman before, but this woman had been different. The others who had come and gone so lightly had not even left a recollection behind them. They had faded into one concrete cause of utter boredom. There had never been any reason to trust or mistrust them, or to care if they came or went. Satiety had come with possession, and with it indifference. But the emotion that this girl's uncommon beauty and slender boyishness had aroused in him had not diminished during the months she had been living in his camp. Her varying moods, her antagonism, her fits of furious rage, and lastly, her unexpected surrender, had kept his interest alive. He had grown accustomed to her. He had come to looking forward with a vague, indefinite pleasure on returning from his long expeditions to seeing the dainty little figure curled up among the cushions on the big divan. Her presence seemed to pervade the atmosphere of the whole tent, changing it utterly. She had become necessary to him, as he had never believed it possible that a woman could be. And with the change that she had made in his camp, there had come a change in himself also. For the first time, a shadow had risen between him and the man whose friendship had meant everything to him, since, as a lad of fifteen, he had come under the influence of the young Frenchman, who was three years his senior. He realized that since the night of Raoul's arrival, he had been seething with insensate jealousy. He had relied on the western tendencies that prompted him to carry off the difficult situation, but his ingrained orientalism had it broken through the superficial veneer. He was jealous of every word, every look she gave Saint-Hubert. Pride had prevented an open rupture with the Vicomte this morning, but he had ridden away filled with a cold rage 
that had augmented every hour and finally driven him back earlier than he had intended riding with a recklessness that had been apparent even to his men the sight of raoul sitting alone absorbed in his work had in part allayed his suspicions and he had gone on into the other room with a feeling of new expectancy that had changed to a sudden chill at its emptiness the vacant room had brought home to him abruptly all that the girl meant to him a latent anxiety crept into his eyes he went out under the awning and clapped his hands and a servant answered the summons almost immediately he gave an order and waited his hands thrust into the folds of his waistcloth and his teeth clenched on a cigarette that he had forgotten to light saint hubert joined him what do you think he asked with a touch of diffidence i don't know what to think replied the sheik shortly but is there any real danger there is always danger in the desert particularly when that devil is abroad he motioned to the south with an impatient jerk of his head saint hubert's breath whistled sharply through his teeth my god you don't imagine but the sheik only shrugged his shoulders and turned to yusuf who had come up with half a dozen men there was a rapid interchange of questions and answers some brief orders and the men hurried away in different directions while ahmed ben hassan turned again to saint hubert end of section nineteen chapter seven b